1: if you
2: dare.
3: The Dallas Cowboys lost yesterday to the Buffalo Bills 26-15 to in a game that didn't knock the Cowboys from first place just yet, but they are 6-6 six and six now on the season. And, Jonas, it's another loss to a team that record-wise was better than Dallas. And it was another opportunity. Like, if you were to, to pick a situation – where you could say, what is the best opportunity that we could have an advantage? You would be like, well, let's do it on a short week. You know what? Let's not even do it on a Thursday night. Let's move kickoff up like three hours. (laughs) So it's like in the middle of the afternoon and we'll be the home team and the other team has to travel to Dallas and face us. So everything was in line for the Cowboys to get on the right track against a Buffalo Bills team. And then they were basically run over by the Buffalo Bills.
5: Yeah, look, Dallas got off to an early start and then it was all Buffalo from there on out. And I actually don't even think the game was that Close down the stretch. I thought Buffalo was just a better team. Uh, they looked better prepared. Josh Allen outplayed Dak Prescott. And then, you know, because we gotta sell the drama. It's what we do. Did you notice what the cameras did every time there was a bad play by the Dallas Cowboys? Straight
3: up to Jerry's booth. Gotta get Jerry on camera. Jerry Jones was uh not happy after the game. And in fact, Jonas, you could almost say that Jerry Jones was sad. Here were some of the comments from the Cowboys
1: owner after yesterday's defeat. For me, I'm looking ahead at another ball game, and I'm looking ahead at winning four or five straight, five straight, and then helping write a story that uh, they'll talk about how it looked like you were down and out and got it done. I mean, I mean that. I mean that. That's the way that I'm operating. Every decision that I make over the next month will be with an eye in mind to get us in the Super Bowl now.
2: It seems like you have uh, tears in your eyes. Can you just talk about your emotions right now?
1: Well, uh, I have it because I've been in a very emotional locker room okay. right. with a lot of other guys that are emotional, right. and uh, it's right.
3: just have a drink, bro. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's it's funny because uh, the uh, Cowboys fans are also crying watching this Cowboys. I team.
5: like you're still okay. Uh, let's not. You're still in first place. All right. You're still technically in first place. Uh, you still uh, feel like you have the inside track on a division championship uh, and winning the NFC East. I know this hasn't been the most ideal season, but I was making this point and I, I feel like I've said this because um, I'll always, you know, uh, put together just thoughts on, on different games and matchups as they come along. Just what is it? What jumps out to me in this game? And I'll do recaps of certain games because it just, you know, kind of jogs my brain in my mind. And for the last three, four weeks. I've said, you know, I really don't know whether or not Dallas is a good team. And it's one thing if you say that two or three weeks in, Dan, it's December in a couple of days, and I still don't know well, if Dallas is a good yeah, team. Yeah, and
3: I think it's because they're all over the map. Like, they get, they get shut down in the it's passing weird. game against New England. But yesterday, Dak throws for 355 yards, but also then throws a ground ball to Ezekiel Elliott on a fourth down. They still haven't corrected their game management issues, whether it be in New England or whether it be yesterday. They were down, I think it was 19. It was a three-score game. And they're facing a fourth and seven, and they go for it. Like, you need a field goal to make it a two-score game. But that then tells me that you have such little confidence in your offense that you don't think you're going to get to that point again. Or, Or, Jonas, you just don't understand how to manage a game, which honestly is amazing to think that a quarterback from Princeton Who spent years as a backup to a Hall of Fame quarterback still doesn't understand how to manage a game. That's been Jason Garrett's name tag for his entire head coaching career of Cowboys managing games and it came up again yesterday. Those are the things. So I, I am with you in those in, in in that assessment because it's the same thing over and over. And you're like, these things should be correctable.
5: And what's the reputation Jason Garrett has had that he's always a safety first type coach, right? Doesn't take enough chances. He does he doesn't go for it enough. He's not doesn't have doesn't have the guts to to do certain things that other coaches would do around the NFL. And I wanted to see whether or not We're always told this thing that, oh, you know, coaches and and players and, you know, they don't listen to the media. You know, they they don't hear all the talk out there. We're only focused on what's going on in the locker room. Okay, so then why did uh, Jason Garrett, who never goes for it inside his own territory and deep inside his own territory on a fourth down early in that game. Why did he decide that that was the proper time to go for it? Because he'd been hearing all week he doesn't take enough chances because Jerry Jones threw him under the bus and then grabbed his corpse and pulled it out from under the bus again to try and revive him in, in one week in the matter of a couple of days. He's hearing the, the noise. He's hearing the conversations. And so he went against his better judgment and his reputation because he's hearing all the whispers.
3: Well, this is, this is where it goes Is I look at this, this whole situation. You may have heard me say this before. I get Jason Garrett hearing that stuff. I get Amari Cooper's not happy with the touches. Guess what? Boom out of the gate. We're getting it to Amari Cooper. That's not maybe different than another team would have. My whole issue with this entire situation is we just heard Jerry Jones there. How long has Jason Garrett been on the hot seat? Like, it's been for seven years, and it's been on and off and on and off and on and off. And so much when we sit here and we try to compare the NFL or whatever we're talking about to real-life situations, how often does it come back to relationships? Yeah. All the time. And if you are on again, off again, on again, off again, your relationship Probably won't last. No. And that's the issue that I have with all of this, Jonas, is because I think Jerry Jones is is so mad and so emotional because he thought he had that window of paying guys or without having to pay guys. And now that window is closed. But we've had this same conversation with Jason Garrett for so long, and now Jerry Jones is finally ready to pull the trigger at the end of this season when your window of opportunity vanished. To me, like, I get Jason Garrett being the one to blame But Jerry Jones has known about this. You got to break up with the girl. You got to dump the guy if it's on again and off and it's just not going anywhere. You can't get to the point that you want to be. That's why I feel that Jerry Jones is getting such a pass because he's the one that ultimately has had the decision to keep Jason Garrett there and he's decided to do so. So in the end, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. He's been fooled three or four times, and this is where they're stuck.
5: Yeah, and also I think that Jerry Jones creates an environment in Dallas to where – there's so much pressure for all the loyalty that Jerry Jones provides there's just these ridiculous expectations and 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 pressure points that are going on there with the organization like there's no like find me another owner in the NFL who immediately after a loss uh, everybody runs to him to get his thoughts <laughs> and then he's got two hits a week on the fan in Dallas like it just he creates this environment where yeah it's great for his bottom line because they're constantly the topic of conversation like think about it they're a 500 football team and maybe the most talked about team in the league. It's an amazing job by Jerry Jones to keep him relevant. But I also think that to his detriment, it's caused this sort of vibe around the building to where it's not really walking on eggshells but i feel like there's so much pressure there on on having to perform and having to do this and having to do that and you've got to it's super bowl expectations or bust all right well if it's super bowl expectations or bust to your point why is jason garrett there 10 years Like if it's Super Bowl or bust, why is he there ten years? We either need to readjust our expectations as an organization, or just pull the trigger and go in the direction you want to go.
3: Yeah, they've had this, and it's been the same issues. Like Like the issues that we're talking about now, we're talking about because of all the pieces that are in place that we expect to perform. But I think you could go back in time and talk about game management issues of. Uh, this may be happening and, and and maybe that not happening and whether it be in 2013 whether it be in 2017 when Zeke had to have a six game ban and there was really nothing that team could do with Zeke out of the out of the lineup. There's just so much there with the Dallas Cowboys that that's what's so difficult for me of putting it on Jason Garrett's shoulders. Now Jerry Jones says they're not going to make a coaching change n- this season or for at least uh, well, with yeah, the why remaining four games. I
5: can't even believe that was even an idea that was thrown out last week.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't know where that would go, but I do wonder. And I just let's just say the Cowboys. And I know this is crazy because we said, well, let's say if they reel off five wins, but what about if they do win their last four? What about something does turn around? Is there any any way for Jason Garrett to day I think deep down Jerry Jones doesn't want to fire Jason Garrett yeah he's uh, the most so, loyal yeah. owner in the NFL yeah
5: he, he doesn't he doesn't want to fire he's looking for reasons not to fire Jason Garrett I think that's also part of the reason why he's emotional I can't recall another time that Jerry Jones has cried after a game I mean he was emotional there after the game now either he had a couple of drinks up in the press box and they didn't catch it on camera and and the the booze caused the emotions or whatever but I think deep down he doesn't want to have to fire Jason Garrett but the reality is getting closer and closer that you got to make a move and he's trying to put it off for as long as he can I just think and and maybe it was Matt Mosley who covers the Cowboys um, and he was on with us during the offseason we did a show together and I remember one of us asked Matt Mosley what does Jason Garrett have to do in order to keep his job and he said at least a conference title game Dallas is not going to the conference finals Mm -hmm. like this, not happening. So what we're saying is they're going to get into the postseason. Possibly they're going to host a playoff game. If they win that playoff game and get to the divisional round of the playoffs, that's when you fire Jason Garrett. It's just the handling of it is so odd. It's just so strange how this has worked out to where you've seen coaches like, you know, when normally around the NFL, you know, when a coach is going to be gone. But like I don't know that I can recall another time that a coach has been told, "Hey, if you do not get to a conference championship game, you're out of yeah, here."
3: Yeah.
5: What? <laughs> what
3: bench what bar is that that you've set? It, it's it's weird. It, amazingly high. I wonder if things would change in let's say 2 or 3 weeks when you could start to talk to someone maybe like Lincoln Riley. And I'm sure that there's been feelers have, maybe. have been put out there, but I mean, you're not going to see a change this season, but I I think a four game win streak is crazy as it sounds for for if past history is going to teach us anything, I still don't think that his job is in jeopardy. Considering I think that Jerry could be completely swayed by any late push that he just talked about. So to your point about him wanting it so badly of of wanting them to do it, I mean if he's in tears. He doesn't want to fire him. He really no, doesn't it, want to. And he'll find any reason, just like he has the last two or three years.
5: I mean, and and for all the talk about Jason Garrett and, and how he doesn't, you know, bad coach and, oh, you got to get rid of him. Was 18 games over 500 for his career? He's got one losing season as a head
3: coach. Yeah. And you know what? That's the other tough part about it is because I've, I've heard people say, well, how can you fire Jason Garrett when they've had that success? That's why it's on Jerry Jones, yes. because that's yes. his team. He's yep. the one that makes that decision. And if you're seeing the same things go on and on, whether you're 8-8 eight eight or 13-3, you're the one that has to make the decision. That's why it's all on Jerry Jones' A lot shoulders. of
5: people didn't like the Mark Jackson firing when they brought in Steve Kerr. They, a lot of people thought that was a dumb firing. And it turned into multiple championships and a dynasty and mm-hmm. Hall of Fame careers were made. So sometimes you got to make tough decisions.
0: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
5: Cowboys get all this love yesterday and and by love I mean conversation over what happened yet people forget about the Thanksgiving in that game yesterday which was the Buffalo Bills who looked really damn good Uh, it completely forgotten as we move on to the Dallas Cowboys but the Bills look good Josh Allen played outstanding and I think a lot of people getting their first taste of Josh Allen uh, on a national stage because he plays in Buffalo and maybe some people don't see those one Eastern time kickoffs I love watching Bills games for some reason reason Orchard Park just seems like a place I want to go see a game at. I don't know if you've ever been, but I d- desperately want to go see a game in Buffalo. Josh Allen's playing
3: really good football right now. Yeah, it's amazing when you look at that quarterback class because now it's all right. At first it started Baker Mayfield against Sam Darnold and and really everybody else. I mean yeah. there were there were five quarterbacks, but then now this season it's it's all Lamar Jackson and considering how things have gone for Baker Mayfield and how things were going at times for Sam Darnold in New York. You know, Josh Allen is is now in this area where you're like, How good is he? I like I like like could this be a guy that we really consider a legit threat to one of the top spots in that draft class? By the way, your your point about a new era field as they call it now, the stadium in Buffalo, I think, is because it's older. Yes. And it hasn't been renovated like other places where renovations end up becoming just like everything else. If you're trying to renovate a stadium or there's a new stadium, there's so many new stadiums in the National Football League. But every stadium kind of, you know, when it's a Falcons game, you know, when it's a a Vikings game and it has a little different look. That's just more unique than anything else. It's just like the setup of the stadium is totally unique from the rest of the it, league.
5: There's just the way they present games, and it's not even the fans jumping through tables and whatever, you know
3: objects are being
5: thrown onto <laughs> the field
3: it's because the camera angle is so low because the stadium is not that high like that's and, what i think it is
5: and and i feel like it's also it's it's one of the few environments that harken back to the greatest era of football which was the late 80s into the 90s uh w- which you and i both love that, sure. that era of football so it, it, maybe it's part of my youth that comes back but i, I see the bills so I, I I watch a lot of their games and it's hard to argue that if you were to. You know, look at who's had the who's playing the best of those quarterbacks from the draft class a year ago. I mean, Lamar Jackson clearly is number one. Josh Allen's number two. And and the Bills are a good football team. They can run the football, they play defense, and I don't care what you say, that travels in the postseason. And and let's not forget, they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago. So Sean McDermott's done a really good job to get him back to this point. Uh, at one point they had to turn to Nathan Peterman late in that game, but they were in that game on the road. At Jacksonville is a wild card team. Buffalo's a much better team, they get credit for.
3: What is it about Josh Allen? Because honestly, you know, passing stats aren't there. He can run the football and gives them a different dynamic. But what is it well, about Josh uh, Allen?
5: Because I think he's the only quarterback in the NFL who one pass can go one of three ways. <laughs> all right. And it, this is how it is. All right. It's either going to be, or one play can go three ways. He can either. Run for ninety-eight yards and a touchdown. <laughs> throw a ninety-eight-yard touchdown in the air, or throw a ninety-eight-yard pick six, <laughs> and you don't know which one it's going to be. It's like this weird surprise. Like, what's it going to be this time? I have no idea. He's in. He, he's got. The, he's got a cannon for an arm um he reminds me a lot it it, is similar to a a jay cutler type ben roethlisberger type to where agile enough to make moves can throw the ball on the run but he feels like he's getting better and better and and you can say whatever you want about the bills and oh who have they played and you know what man i don't care who you are if you're five and one on the road like it's tough to win on the road in the NFL. It's it's tough. It's why you don't see point spreads where they are as they normally would be in other circumstances, based on a team that's home or away. You're winning on the road. You're five and one. I just I I I, I don't think they get the respect they
3: deserve. I'll tell you this. I think that Josh Allen is the poor man's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is so dynamic, and what he does. But how do they win? They win the ball or they win the games by running the football by having him make plays with his arm and really with his legs, it's what makes Lamar Jackson so dynamic. What is different about what Josh Allen does in Buffalo, aside from maybe the 98-yard pick six that you could have? But realistically, for what the Bills are doing, to what the Ravens are doing, are actually pretty similar Yeah, and how they want their quarterback to be dynamic. And Josh Allen at least has this in Buffalo – where he has two wide receivers that are legitimate threats, Nicole Beasley and John Brown. And they don't have to go out and have 170 yards. But Cole Beasley's going to get you a third down on third and seven. John Brown will get you a big play if you need it, or throw a touchdown pass like he did yesterday. Like the pieces around, they're they're not there to to set NFL records and go to Pro Bowls. But the pieces around him are very similar to, in my mind, Buffalo has better receivers than Baltimore. But how the teams go about winning are the same the same thing they do in Baltimore, similar to what they do in Buffalo.
5: And I also think it's a better match than people realize. What John Harbaugh did with Lamar Jackson is he basically built an entire offense around Lamar Jackson. People forget Sean McDermott was in Carolina for a long time. There's a lot of similarities between uh, Josh Allen and Cam Newton. There, there's a lot there. Um, even though Cam, you know, obviously injuries and all that plays a part into where he's, where he's at at this point. Like, if you go back to the game against New England, listen, Buffalo was in that game too To the end, they stayed competitive Mm -hmm. in that game at home after getting down early. And there were multiple opportunities for them to try and go down. And as we found out, that New England defense is a real defense. I just, I want nothing more than Buffalo to get into the postseason. They've got an outside shot. They would need several things to go their way at getting a bye in, in the postseason, again, outside shot. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there is still that possibility if New England loses a game uh, and, and Buffalo rattles off some games, they've got another meeting coming up later on. I, just, I, I love what they're doing, and I don't think it gets enough respect because it's Buffalo, and people just don't put Buffalo on a national yeah, that, scale.
3: That's really the unfortunate thing is they could end up with the second or third best record in the AFC and then have to navigate On the road. On the road for those three games. And you're actually maybe going to have a worse situation in the NFC, especially in the NFC West where you have Seattle and San Francisco battling. But, yeah, to your your point about Buffalo, it's unique. They they have got a cushion. Like, it is – they are going to the playoffs. I I mean, realistically, because you can't count on the other teams that are sitting there at six and five. To run the table and get 11 wins or get 10 wins. I mean, those, the teams that are behind them at six and five for the wild card, whether it be the Raiders, the Titans, or the Colts, or, you know, even Cleveland that's somewhat in the mix, you can't count on them to run the table considering how they've played this season. So I think Buffalo, with one more win and they're going to, you're going to have that opportunity to get the 10 wins. Yeah,
4: you're in the postseason. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
5: There's something about the New Orleans Saints that I'm struggling buying into. There's something about them. There's something about the Green Bay Packers that I'm struggling buying into. The Packers have been going on for longer than the New Orleans Saints, but it just feels like there's something missing there, and I can't put my finger on
3: it. I think when you look at a team like Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers isn't once or what he once was. It's just not. No, not. I mean, it's. you can look at the numbers and you can see what's there. The defense, while it had some bright points at the start of the season – really isn't a juggernaut. They got a couple of good players that they added via free agency, but as an entire unit, you're not hanging your hat on Green Bay. Now, the Saints defense I do think is a different story, and one of the reasons we saw what happened last night was them getting after Matt Ryan. I think that helps them. But offensively of the Saints, and maybe they're a victim of their own success, and I'll even go back to when they were winning when they won the Super Bowl 10 years ago against the Indianapolis Colts whether it be when they had Robert Meacham and Devery Henderson and Marcus Colston or then transition to to Jimmy Graham and Marcus Colston was still there the weapons that they have right now I I think it's because they rely so much on Michael Thomas yeah and even Alvin Kamara's season when you look at what Camara did last year when Mark Ingram was was there with him. Remember, Ingram missed those first four games of the season. Camara was unbelievable. He was he, he was he was lights out. He hasn't had that type of game. No. And when you see Jared Cook drop some passes, when you see maybe Ted Ginn have a ball fall through his hands, you realize that the options that the Saints have. For as good of a team that they are, when you look at the wins that they have, I mean, they went to Seattle. Uh, they, you know, beat the Cowboys. Uh, the Rams game is the the weird one because Drew Brees was knocked out of that game. There's there's some good wins on their schedule, but I think when it gets down to it, there there's something missing in my mind offensively, and it's not even like defense. Like I think they can do enough defensively to get after the quarterback. I don't think they can get a stop. When they when they really, really need it. But something is missing. And I think it's because they rely so heavily on Michael Thomas and really on Alvin Kamara. And Kamara hasn't been the Alvin Kamara that we saw, say, a year ago from when he was lighting things up.
5: Were the Saints better with Teddy Bridgewater?
3: I don't think so.
5: Okay. Um, Do you think that they are? I, I think that they and this may have just been expectations, we assumed ah, you know, you split a couple of these games while he's gone, they end up going undefeated while he's out so maybe there was, the expectations were lower so the results looked better than maybe they were in my mind but it felt like they were a little bit more dynamic. And I argued at the time that I'll bet Sean Payton was quietly happy that Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback at that point, because it felt like there was more that they could do. Um, Drew Brees is limited at times. Um, We've seen him fade late in the season to where, you know, his, the, the arm strength isn't there. And I just wonder, I think the next couple of games are going to be pretty telling for new Orleans because Drew Brees had five or six games off this season. So the arm strength and all that, you know, because of fatigue, you can't go there anymore because he had extended rest this season. He's going to play like a 10 or an 11 game season. I just wonder if you were to ask Sean Payton, hey, are, are you a more dynamic football team with Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton said yes. I I feel like they're in debt to Drew Brees because he's what he's done for the community and the football team. But I just wonder what this team would look like had they stuck with Teddy Bridgewater.
3: I just don't think that you play the Saints with Drew Brees out on the field defensively. I think you have to you you have to you you would play defense differently. I mean, mean, you just do you you, your passing game is more under attack. That's why I just don't think that I for the just the threat of drew Brees is a big enough deal is if if
5: drew god forbid something happened and drew Brees uh was missed for the playoffs how much how how down would you be on the saints with teddy bridgewater going into the postseason i i wouldn't be that down on no
3: no and i think they would be a little different team but yeah yeah i think that's that's it's that's fair I, they, they would take a step down in my mind. I don't know if they could win at all, but considering their, the best win on their schedule, I, which I just gave them credit for and in beating Dallas and then really the, the win in Seattle, when you do look at their other wins, maybe it isn't as much of a murderer's row as you would think, but Teddy Bridgewater's the one that got the win. It was also a game where they took a kickback and ran it back for a score. They recovered a fumble and ran it back for, for a touchdown. So there are other facets of the Saints' team, Maybe they're more team oriented. Yeah. they just breeze oriented.
5: And I also think you can't it's easy to go around the NFL and you can spot an NFL team and you can and you can point to, yeah, well, they're a good team because of this, or they got a break here. You know, we did it last year with the Bears. We did it the year before with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We did it, like there are always teams that come and go every single season, which is why consistency in the NFL is so hard to find, which is why what teams like New England and Pittsburgh up until last year and Kansas City have done and Seattle has done because they've been successful for multiple years in a row. Maybe they don't win a Super Bowl, but when you get to the postseason that many years in a row, it's impressive. I'll say this for the Saints. I may not totally buy into them as of now. You cannot dispute whether or not they're a good football team because when you have your hearts ripped out in Minnesota uh, on on a fluke play at the end of a playoff game that you should have won, and then look if if New Orleans goes on the road to Philly, I liked New Orleans in that game. I I, I thought New Orleans had a real good chance at beating Philly in that game and going to a Super Bowl. And then you get your hearts ripped out again at home on that you know non call mm-hmm. pass interference. To be sitting here where they are a year later, there's a lot of other organizations that would have folded and and said, well, those were our two shots. I guess that's it. And But they're here. So they're a good roster and a good football team. I just don't know how good.
3: I think Drew Brees' age has something to do with that because you see this window and you feel the sense of urgency every single yeah. season that he's still there because you don't know how many more there are going to be. I would say is we're trying to really feel out this 10-2 and two Saints team. And as you said, they are one of the best teams in the NFL. Just can't figure it out. We know if the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl, how they're likely going to go. On the arm of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Like that That's how they're going to go. Or, or Russell Wilson having something to do with it. If the 49ers go to the Super Bowl, we know how they're going. That defensive line and mm-hmm. them running the football. If you watch the Minnesota Vikings make a run, you know how they're doing it. With Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins is playing well. Yeah. If those things don't happen for those teams, they're not going to win. But if those things do happen for those teams, there's a very good chance that they can succeed. With the Saints... I don't know. Yeah, I, like, that's, like, I that's can't. The thing. I can't. Like, okay, they get after the quarterback like they did last night. It was the only thing that saved them against the Falcons, but it didn't win the game. If Drew Brees is throwing to Michael Thomas a lot, well, does that mean that Jared Cook's not catching passes? Is you know Latavius Murray not being the complement to Alvin Kamara? Like, that's the thing. Is the other teams? I think at least we know their identity and how they're going to get there. For the Saints, for a team that we've seen so long. I still feel that we're trying to feel them out. We're still watching Taysom Hill take snaps and running three yards around end. Like it's just that's the difference of the Saints that I just feel is like just can't get the right feel for
5: And it. look, if we want to be honest about what we saw with uh, the game last night uh, against Atlanta, one, Atlanta stinks. Uh, everybody knows that. Dan Quinn's on his way out. Uh, don't be fooled by the little two-game winning streak that they put on. And also, one of those was against New Orleans, coming off a bye week in which they came out flat. Last night was as motivated as the Saints were going to get for a bad football team because they just got embarrassed two weeks yeah. ago at home. And yet... Atlanta was still in that game late. Like they still had an opportunity to go down and possibly tie the game. So it's just, I don't, I, I mean, I, I guess be ha- be happy you get a win. Anytime you get a win and it's on the road, be happy. But I just don't know that I would look at last night's game and go, yep, that's the best team in the NFC. I don't know.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live
5: You and I are very nostalgic when it comes to the NFL. Um, and it kind of feels like a little bit of nostalgia is creeping back into the NFL. Well,
3: let's let's look at who let, let's look at the teams that we're talking about. And we're talking about the top teams in the national football. Like we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. The game. Redskins. <laughs> <The, yes, laughs> no, uh, we're not talking about the Redskins. Cincinnati. Yeah, this, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the Ravens. We're talking about the Saints. We're talking about the 49ers. We're talking about the Minnesota Vikings. Talking about the New England Patriots. We're talking about these teams, and you know what? Those teams aren't pass happy teams that like to go up and down the field. Yeah, of of offense, offense, offense. Of of supreme quarterback ability at this minute, taking over and just dissecting defenses. Getting in shootouts. You're not seeing that. What you're seeing this year in the National Football League are teams having success that have a strong defensive front that can stop the run and get after the quarterback. Teams that can run the football like a Baltimore or a Minnesota. Uh, teams that, like the New England Patriots, who are winning with defense. Those are the teams that we are seeing have success in the NFL. And To me, this is really what it's all about. I, I, I hope that you remember when I when I said this at the beginning of the year when we, we had done shows together, but the Baltimore Ravens, to me, I loved for the simple fact of I didn't think they were going to be this good, Jonas, but I liked that they were doing something different than what everybody else was trying to do. Yeah, And that's trying to throw the ball and score more points and be dynamic on offense. They're saying, we're going to do our thing. And for the other 15 weeks, you could try to shut down those teams. But when you play us, we're going to be a a, a nightmare. We're going to be a mismatch, a team that you aren't used to. And when you look at the success of these teams and how they play, I don't think it's just a random occurrence. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think defense and running the football is the way that you win in the National Football League. I think it's the way that it's always been. And the real blip on the radar were all these pass-happy teams trying to score the ball up and down the field.
5: Yeah, if you were to just go down the statistics and you were to look at the teams with the best that average the most yards per game via rush in the NFL... The top eight are as follows. Baltimore, San Fran, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Buffalo, Seattle, Houston, and Dallas. All of those are teams that are fighting for playoff spots or teams that are basically already in the postseason. But, and that makes up eight of the 12. That's three-fourths of your entire playoff teams uh, playoff catalog this season because 12 teams get in, six from each conference. So if 75% of postseason teams are the top of the league when it comes to rushing the football. Like, How is that not showcasing to you, listen, run the ball and you increase your odds for success because you can go to a team that leads the league in passing yards and you can say, well, yeah, but that's garbage time. Like it's not really a true a true telltale sign of okay well you know that team's a really good team no it just means that maybe they were down by forty and had to throw the ball a bunch towards the end that's garbage time stats that's Jameis Winston Blake Bortles quarterbacks like that but if you really want to know who the best teams in the league are they're the teams that have a lead and then run the ball to milk the clock to to grind games out and get wins and eight teams all eight at the top of the rushing yards per game list in the NFL are all teams that are either in the playoffs or fighting for a division title
3: it's why because you have to take Tom Brady out of it considering he's the greatest quarterback to play he's he's the anomaly he's the he's the outlier he's the exception to the rule Jonah so when you look at Super Bowls I think you can make an argument. You know, even a team like the Atlanta Falcons that scored so many points three years ago, if they end up running the ball in the fourth quarter, yeah. they end up winning a Super Bowl. And I they had
5: f- good running backs, man. Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman were, were maybe the best one two punch
3: in the league at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And we, even the Philadelphia Eagles, with Nick Foles being led, I mean, they, they had like a four headed monster yes. at running back yep. with the Jai and Corey Clement and, uh, and Legarrette Blunt. so you had guys who ran the football. When Denver won their Super Bowl against the Carolina Panthers, even even though Cam had his MVP, or one of the reasons made Cam MVP was his ability to run the football. Yep. But they, the Denver, in how do they win it? Defense and CJ Anderson, like that was because Peyton Manning couldn't throw the ball. Those are the things that have have gone on. When the Seahawks win their Super Bowl, they do it. When Russell Wilson isn't the Russell Wilson that he is now, but they do it with defense. When they had one of the better offensive lines and Marshawn Lynch, you just keep on going back and back and you're like, wow, really the last 10 years outside of Tom Brady, it's been teams that play defense and can run the football that really have success when it comes down to winning in the National Football And league.
5: look, when when people were upset at the decision making by Pete Carroll and uh, Daryl Bevel uh, with the Seahawks at the goal line in that Super Bowl, what were they mad about? That they didn't run the football. Yeah. Why would you pass yeah. there? Like, what, what sense does it make? Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl Look, uh, uh, Joseph Adai and Dominic Rhodes, I think, both had 100-yard games in that Super Bowl. But it was Peyton Manning who got the MVP. I just everything's cyclical and we all get really excited over these new trends and new fads, but there's been one constant in the NFL. Can you run the football and can you play defense? And if you can do that, you're at least in contention for some games. You're at least going to have an opportunity to win some games. What Baltimore did is maybe the easiest thing that anybody could do. They took a quarterback and they said, "No, nah, we're not going to make him do what we do. Let's do what he does, which is how the thinking should have always been. And I wonder how many quarterbacks' careers have been spoiled by them being mismanaged when they get to the league. And so Baltimore is one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league. Or teams
3: fortunes of trying to get out of the rut that they're in, because they're always trying to find the franchise quarterback that's going to be with them for 15 years and be that guy that's going to be a hall of famer and lead them to super bowls. That's not easy to do. That's not that's if you can find a guy that fits what you want to do or have a scheme or a system that allows you to take advantage of their strengths you don't have to find the next Tom Brady. You don't have to go out and find the next Patrick Mahomes that you've got. It works for Kansas City with what they do, but it's not going to work for every team. And that's what drives me nuts when we talk about like finding franchise quarterbacks. It's like, how are we defining franchise quarterbacks and what are you doing around the team to make that? I, I'm fine if my quarterback is 17th in the in the NFL out of 32. If I could run the ball and my defensive yeah. line can get stops. I am fine with I that. I
5: totally agree. And the Tom Brady, it's, it's why I've been saying this about the Patriots. You know the Patriots remind me of because everyone says, well, you know, Tom Brady just doesn't have what he used to have. Okay, but they've got a defense that continues to force turnovers and scores a lot of points on that side of the ball. There was a team in the NFL last year whose defense converted on a lot of turnovers scored a lot of points and were dominant at times and because of that that team was in contention and in the playoffs that team was the bears if you took tom brady and you put him on last year's bears i got news for you they're doing a hell of a lot more than one and done in the postseason because of a cody parkey Mm -hmm. double doink a hell of a lot more so you tell me tom brady and that defense they're still legitimate and still a threat in the postseason
4: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. is uncanny usa
3: he says somebody's in the house and i
6: screamed
1: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
4: this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride with simelbo grease